0: Is this planner better or worse with me here? If I am a human living in industrialized 2019 America, and you know, I know there's all the sorts of environmental destructions going on, what can just I myself do as an individual to help reorient myself out of that? And so the motivation for me just comes out of that sort of existential standpoint. And honestly. When it comes to organic and getting crops from regenerative farming, for me, a major part of it is health. I'm a massive, massive uh, proponent of health ever since I kind of had this life switch. So honestly, the bigger motivation for organic and things along the lines of that is for my health. But I also know it's for the health of the planet. And if the planet's unhealthy, I'm unhealthy. And I think we're seeing that around the world.
1: Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshua.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Mark Metry is a man seeking transitions, loving them, and listening to his podcast and reading his results, they're working. Change can make for great life. Most people, especially around the environment, want to keep doing what they're doing, but you'll hear him embracing challenges, learning, and seeking understanding. He's seeking action and people who act. He's just over 21, but I hear experience beyond those years. I think because of those challenges, allowing the world to see the problems he hits and the mistakes that he makes. He recognizes that emotion, not the outside world, but inside of us, is usually the biggest hurdles to making these changes. This perspective reinforces my view that beliefs and emotions that are driving our environmental problems and working on those things, what I call leadership, that's the solution to our environmental problems. Looking to others to act first or relying on technology, that's what most people are doing. Listen to Mark hear the joy, growth, meaning, purpose, and the things that I think we want in life more than plastic bags in everything he says and shares. And I contrast looking to others to act first and relying on technology with meaning and purpose because that's our culture's predominant environmental strategy. And I think it's moving us away from moving in purpose. Is he done? Of course not. The point isn't reaching an endpoint. It's focusing on the process, an attitude. Yes, parts of it are hard. Acting is hard, very hard. You'll hear the decisions he's had to make, but you'll have to listen hard because mostly he's just overjoyed. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment Podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Mark Metry. Mark, how are you doing? Joshua, I could not be doing any better. Thank you so much for inviting me glad to have you and and I was I was about to go into a question but your response was like that's not the usual oh i'm fine it's uh is are you always like that or is this a particularly good day or i'm curious about the answer was was a thoughtful enthusiastic answer
0: you know what it is the first thing that comes to mind Josh, was that you know when i look back at my life i really was not living it in the present moment i was set on default i was set on automatic And I'm sure there are times, I'm sure there are moments in the day where that does happen to me, but one of my goals is to be consciously aware and living my life in the present moment. And so you know, when a human being takes time out of his day that is just like me to invite me on his podcast, and I'll have you on my podcast, it's going to be a blast, and just sit down with me and have a conversation for whatever how long we're going to do this for— that genuinely means the world to me. And so maybe uttering out a few more words that can get that across to you is really why I do it. You know, living my life mindfully and trying to express that level of communication to somebody else in a way that is not just a default phrase is just one of the ways that I think it can connect us to each other. And so you know, I try my best not to say I'm great or I'm fine. I'm trying to actually respond as if there was like one of my really good friends in front of me. And I just try to bring that on like the techno space and in this podcast for sure. So it
1: sounds like you are increasingly aware of when you're on autopilot or when you might be on autopilot and replacing that with genuine connection in this case. Hmm. That's a, that's an interesting question, Josh. You know, for me, like, when I look back at
0: my life, I'm a I'm a pretty young guy, I'm 21 years old. When I look back at my life, I really was not in the driver's seat for the first 18 years. I had reached some short sort of superficial financial success, but deep down I just wasn't actually living the life I wanted to live. And a lot of that was from being in a rut, from all of these automatic unconscious behaviors that I had almost sort of lost my free will towards. And so you know I struggle today I, I will continue to struggle and there are moments there are times throughout the day where I'm seeing like, oh that's that's what the old mark would react to or that's how the old mark would respond And like to the greater point of what I'm trying to do here, the whole I'm sure we'll get into it, but my podcast humans 2.0, It's all about like this next level version that sometimes we're in, sometimes we're not in. And it's like as many times that you can catch yourself in that human 1.0 mode to then reorient yourself into humans 2.0 or into a human 2.0, that's where I think that we grow. That's where I think we turn our struggles into success, fulfillment, And it's really been the path that I've been on for the last 21 years.
1: The podcast is, there's a pretty good chance that a lot of people listening to us talking right now have heard your podcast. There's a pretty good chance that they've heard of it, even if they haven't heard it. And it's getting pretty big. I mean, I think one of the big things about it, I think anyone would notice is that it's growing fast and it's got really important people on it. And then I noticed Mm. that the way that you described it on your page was you do the podcast for fun. And I know how I interpret that because I think fun things... Tend to be like they're engaging and bring more people in and things like that. But I'm curious, is there a contrast there or because or, you also have business? Mm. And a quick glance at your bio, you've got a lot of entrepreneurial experience and a lot of entrepreneurial success. And you're doing new things with. I guess I don't want to just say like virtual reality because you're you're thinking of the next stage of what's going to come after that. And so you're looking forward. The podcast is like really big and yet it's a, it's not your main thing or it's not your like money making thing. How do you think about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question, Josh. And, you know, honestly, man, like for me, I started my podcast about, I want to say six months out. I got out of a really bad spot in, in my life, six, seven months. I was sort of at this rock bottom. I was sort of depressed seriously for the first time in my life. I had been running into some new issues, some new challenges. And to me, Yeah, it's for fun because really, you know, like Josh, like if if you meet me, you'll know this, but the real essence of who I am is I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to learn. So whether I have this podcast or not, I'm somebody who is always trying to understand the way that, yes, not only me and myself live my life and how I can improve and how I can genuinely sort of gain mastery in all the things that I normally do to the best of my ability but also other people's perspectives because I know that I don't really know much and I'm trying to immerse myself with the people that are the theorists that are the real um, not theorists excuse me that are the real practitioners that are actually sort of quote unquote walking the walk like a lot of mutual guests that we've had on and I'm always listening to TED talks I'm always going to events conferences. And so that's sort of like the fun side for me. But, you know, to be honest with you, I actually ended up starting my podcast to build that into an outward external process, a system that I can put myself in to continuously extend and grow my own self-growth. And, you know, there happens to be a number of side effects that happen. Like the people listening end up you know, getting some sort of an emotional response to that, which ends up, you know, them doing a lot of other nice things to you, like introducing you to the right people, um, introducing you to, you know, various business opportunities. And it really just comes around full circle. And so, you know, for me, Josh, like I view this podcast as something that I'm just simply doing or using as a, as a mechanism, a vehicle for a wide variety of things. It's not really a means to an end, but rather something that I see myself doing for the remainder of my life because it is really just an extenuation of what I would be doing normally, whether there was a microphone in front of me or not, if
1: that makes sense. Let me see if I get it, because I, I think so. But what I'm hearing is that uh, it's... I mean, there's a lot of different things, and I'll pick one thread of what you said. It felt to me like it was the most personal one, is that you are learning and growing and seeking to understand. And you didn't say it, but I think that the, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that putting yourself out there forces you to be more open and more, I guess, vulnerable. And that, is that accelerating the growth? Mm. Man, I've never been asked that question,
0: Josh, but I absolutely love it. I've been meaning to talk about this because I've been thinking about it for a while. And here's the thing what I've realized is that when you record like 250 episodes, Mm -hmm. some obviously it's not, they're not all just me talking about myself. Some of them are. I post a lot on like LinkedIn and social media. You really are exposing yourself, you're really Mm -hmm. exposing the full spectrum of your character. You're really exposing every possible thing. And it's like this, like the first video that I ever recorded of myself that I put on the internet was this LinkedIn challenge that I think was called hashtag let's get honest. And it was just like, get honest about something that you've been meaning to get off your chest for a while. And I talked about my social anxiety and, you know when I realized that, or when I put that video up, you know, it it got some traction, some people saw it, some people said some nice things, which is all great and fine. But what I was not expecting was almost like this psychological switch that flipped inside of me that was like, Mark, everyone now knows that you have slash had this social anxiety problem and you're working your best every single day to confront it, and for you to master it, not the other way around. And it's like, what I've realized is when you expose anything, when you bring anything into the light, when you open it up, you remove shame and guilt, you stop hiding things. And that is what I have found to be the real boundary, the real obstacle that most of us face when we're trying to stop a pattern of behavior or, like a bad habit. It's not actually the thing. It's the shame, it's the guilt, it's the social reinforcement that we've built around that. And it's like when I'm constantly doing that, like my podcast is daily, I'm just in this constant mode of creation, which, in my opinion, is leaving behind the person that you used to be human 1.0 and venturing off into the sort of courageous, sometimes fearful, sometimes don't really know where you're going. You know, light. And it's like I look back at what I was doing a year from now, and it's just crazy to see how far I've I've gone and how much this podcast has been a real into like a natural integration of my character. That's helped me on so many fronts. But the most important one is the
1: real sort of mental psychological front. That switch that flipped a long time ago, it sounds like that it enabled you it pointed you to something that i feel like the whole podcast is well not the whole podcast but a, a lot of it seems to be that switch that you realize this is an access point to something truly valuable for yourself but so universal so human that it's probably with everybody and i think that if i heard you right mm-hmm. the you are sharing something of yourself publicly you're going on a you're pushing yourself and also enjoying going on a journey of opening up And the side effect is like growth and lots of people listening, lots of people and and getting the big guests that you get. Mm. And it's it feels like, you know, when I give talks, sometimes at the end, there'll be Q&A and someone, people ask these very general questions. What do you do with this situation? What do you do with that situation? Mm. I think that they ask it generally because they think that the more general they make it, the more people connect with it. And I say, and I didn't make this up, but I say, if you're asking something, what's the specific question for you? And I think they think it's going to be less able for other people to connect, but it's actually more, even though the details might make it specific to them, mm. that makes it more accessible to everybody else. And people like, then you see people sitting up in their chairs and really paying attention more. And I feel like that's something of what you're doing, that you're sharing yourself. And people can hear the growth. If you listen to the early episodes, you listen to the later episodes, <laughs> it's like, you can say that there's a big change before, and there might've been, we can still hear, the evolution of you in, I've gotten up to two, well, I haven't listened to all of them, but I was listening to episode 200 because uh, that's mm. you talking a lot about the, the movement. Mm. And that personal element, I think is, do I hear, uh, there's, a, I think, a joy in overcoming that, the inhibition. Mm. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I love that, Josh. And what I will say is this, you know, I think that, I think that humans are all very, very, very much different, but in a way, I think we are all the same. And what I mean by that is some of us are you know, fathers, some of us are daughters, some of us are accountants, some of us are speakers, some of us are biohackers, some of us are health conscious, some of us are not health conscious. And to me, I always just think back of the current mindset, the current psychological framework that I have built for myself. I consistently see myself thinking like, wow, if people could see what I had going on on the inside of my mind five years ago, it is a 180 degree flip. And that like literally seeing that and working through that every 24 hours has now sort of like give me the understanding that, you know this life isn't for everybody, but it is very much accessible to everybody. And I see a lot of people that were just like me that were saying these certain excuses, not because, you know, for whatever kind of lame excuse, but just that's that's genuinely what they think that they can do for a variety of reasons. Their their upbringing, their childhood, their parents, who they have around them, what they're eating and, and drinking, what their lifestyle is. And it's just like, Ever since that sort of happened to me, I've sort of seen this evolution happen and not just myself, but happening in every layer, like you know, every season or wave that you know I launch with the podcast, every group number of episodes. And as my podcast gains more momentum and, and listenership, you know, a lot more people are reaching out to me. And the way that they're reaching out to me is unlike a way that I could have ever, ever imagined. And it's in a way of like people telling me things along the lines of, you know, like I, I heard you talking on your podcast uh, with this guest and, you know, you said something that happened in your own life. And when you said that, I didn't actually know that that was a common thing that people had. And I just thought that I was some weird person that had that, which actually built more shame and guilt. And then once I understood that, Mark, I connected that dot from my past to the present moment and how I should align myself now. And now I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z differently. And I've seen outward results in my own life. And it's just like like seeing that has really been able to show me like, Yeah, we're all different as humans and we're all the same. But we have like this common denominator that makes us human, that is sort of the pain, that is the struggle, that is the adversity. And like here's the thing: like, I'm not some story that's like, you know, I grew up in the hood, my my dad was an alcoholic, my mom beat me. Nothing like that. Like I had I had my own struggles like we all do. But I think my sort of common silent misery story reaches a lot of people, especially in today's day and age. And yeah, that's it. But I, I liked your your framing up to that.
1: It's funny when I like I think of uh I don't know, say the Olympics, whenever they show it, there's always the human story. And it's like, uh not only did they win a gold medal, I guess it's before the competitors going up and they'll say, you know, and then when they their parent died when they were whatever, or there was a struggle with this or struggle with that. And it's to make it human interesting. Mm. I was just talking to someone about this. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't have my big struggle. I didn't have a crucible that I went through. And so therefore, it actually, I think, it may make us connect with them because we feel like, oh, they're human too. But I think it also disconnects us because I think people feel like, oh, I haven't had my big thing. Mm. And I'm just a regular person. But there's a great line. I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, American Splendor. No. And it's just Harvey Picard. uh, He made comics, but they were art. And- He he was one of the first to make comics about regular life. And he said, you know, Superman, he might save the universe, but regular life is pretty tough. Hmm. And it makes it much more accessible to us, to people. And I'm reading that when you describe yourself five years ago, or the change between five years ago and now, many people have made that change already, but probably the overall majority have not. And hearing about the Olympic struggles of someone doesn't necessarily make it easier. Yes, yes. Oh man, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Like
0: what I'll tell you is, whenever you know I was sitting in a classroom or sitting in an auditorium listening to, you know, like somebody's story of how, you know, they tragically got their you know legs blown up in Iraq from an IED. What I'll tell you immediately is that the second I heard that or, or saw that person and understood that message my perspective would immediately either zone out and like go back in my mind and not be mindful or i would just think like you know that's you know that's too bad for them that sucks that it happened but you know this isn't even related to me and it's like i said the same exact thing that you just said of i haven't had like my struggle or my big thing like like literally a like mm, Maybe like three years ago, maybe like four years ago. So I was saying it like as a lot of the stuff was unfolding for me. And I think that's just human nature, right? Like I think we live with the stuff, the things in our minds and the things in our lives all the time. And, you know, if I've learned anything, it's that the human mind can normalize anything. I had somebody on my podcast, Donald Sujo, World Olympian, he escaped communist Albania, with his family, you know, he dodged bullets, all the sorts of things to be able to train and join the Olympics. And one thing that he told me is that when he was a kid growing up in communism, he had no idea. And when I go back in my life and I think to kind of like the main obstacles that I've had of not necessarily having a lot of money despite living in an environment where there was a lot of money, um, and then also my social anxiety, I just thought these were very, very commonplace things. And it's like the mind will, will rationalize. It will uh, move into the commonplace of almost everything. And that's what I think the importance is of listening and hearing other people's stories. Not necessarily just advice, but people's stories, because I think it can provide us sort of perceptual framework and operating system to then be able to connect the dots with our creativity with the mental models that we have built from something of this world. One of my friends, JT McCormick, has said that everyone has a story. And by the way, if you have not had JT on this podcast, I highly recommend it. He's probably like the top five leaders that come to mind immediately. But that's, that's really how I think of it, Josh.
1: Actually, speaking of stories, I was kind of thinking, you've gone through a lot of changes in a short period of time. I mean, everyone does, Mm. not always on the scale and as publicly as as you. Okay, I'm curious, you also have family and friends and stuff. Mm. I'm curious, are there any stories of how things have changed in your regular life? Partly, I'm asking because if people are going to, hopefully, those who want to are going to emulate some of this change. Maybe they'll start podcasts, maybe they'll do other things. And what's to come? I'm curious, have you... Do you interact differently with the people who have seen you through this change? Are there people coming in your life that weren't before? And are there people leaving? Or what are some stories there?
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. Dude, what a phenomenal question, Josh. So, you know, first and foremost, what I will say is that as a human, I, in the first 18 years of my life, I was sort of living in my own bubble. And any experiences that I did have, except for a certain few I just genuinely felt like I wasn't connected. I wasn't actually feeling my own life. And what started to happen to me, Josh, as I began to take the steps on my journey and just genuinely changed who I was from a a moment-to-moment perspective is I actually began to gain sensations, gain feelings of when I'm in a conversation with my best friend or when I'm having a conversation with my mom, that I have never in my life felt before. And it's this really deep and almost a noetic feeling of like, this is where I should be in the universe. I don't necessarily know how to describe it, but that's been one of the most profound changes. And it's, it's really strange because, you know, I, I've always loved my parents. I've Some of the friends that I've had, I've always loved. But I, I didn't know what love was until until this man, like I, it was kind of a very shallow level surface, kind of just like reading it in a book feeling versus like actually experiencing it in your veins, in your head, in your, in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. And then at this, and like at the flip side of that, you know, I have had to decrease cut out a lot of people in my life. And I, I don't mean to say that in sort of a, in a heartless way, but I was associating myself with a lot of people that did not, are not on the similar path as me. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, if you're not, you know, a podcast or an entrepreneur, you shouldn't be in my life. But just in the sense of like, I know right now, if I Hang out a ton with this person, it's going to take time away from my top priorities in life. And that is just more valuable to me right now in this moment. And so there's been sort of hard cuts like that that have really just been good in the long term. And, you know, what else I'll say is that, you know, every single day, I honestly just, you know, I'm not trying to make this a, you know, like a celebration party or anything here, but I honestly wake up every day. And I'm just so, so, so grateful. You know, I, I have dark moments. I, I have bad times even now. But there just hasn't been a single day that has gone by where I just haven't felt the gratitude. And I trained myself to do that, so it's not a coincidence. Of all of the changes that I've made in my life, the people that I have been able to, quote-unquote, attract into my life. Like, dude, like I grew up in central Massachusetts, where my parents were on government housing and food stamps, and they came to this country with $200. And it's like, there's a part of me that still has that mindset now. So it's like, when I land like a $10,000 deal or something, or somebody invites me to like a city to hop on a plane to stay at this flight to give me this amount of money to just talk, like there's a, like, that's ridiculous. Like, it's like I'm living in a comic book. It blows your mind, right? (laughs) It's like I'm living in a comic book, right? And like at the same time though, there are moments that I really do feel the pain and I really am struggling like a lot of us are. And I want to say there's like a 60% of me, 60% kind of like in a coin flip that's like, Okay, Mark, dude, this sucks. Adversity is horrible. Like, why am I stressed out? Why am I fearful? Am I going to make it? Yeah, that's all going on. But then there's also like this 40 to 50% of me that is almost sort of like my like a deeper version of myself, like this this true knowing version of myself. Like you can call it a higher version of myself if somebody's spiritual, you can say God that sees this moment in the grand scheme of moments while it's happening. And it's just like, hey, man, this is just like a blip on your radar. This pain, this growth is actually going to make you way stronger. And this is actually going to be one of those moments where you look back on in two years where you felt hopeless, where you felt like you were alone, where you felt like people are against you. But it's in that time where you actually pushed forward. And did the things that you said you were going to do and gain victory in some way. And it's like, that is actually what is going to lead to success and fulfillment when you actually look down the road in the future. It's not going to be the money. It's not going to be, you know, the 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 interviews or the speaking. It's going to be those times where you yourself really, really showed that you were worth it, that you fought for yourself And like, to me, from a kid growing up that had no money to gaining a lot of money from playing a video game at the age of 15, making hundreds of thousands of dollars and still not feeling that true feeling and sign of success and fulfillment. I now know that, you know, struggle
1: times perspective is really somebody's superpower. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting, that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Now, a lot of what you've been talking about has been the mental game, although it's interacting relationships as well. I hope this doesn't sound like too big of a jump, but I, I don't think it is. That I've also heard you speak enthusiastically and, and heartfeltedly about sugar and mm. gut microbiomes, and there's a physical component to it too. Is it, am I am I right that these things are very oh, closely man. related?
0: Oh man, you hit it right on the head, Josh. Like what I'll tell you is, I didn't actually experience my true self until I had. Basically felt my brain turn on for the first time in my life, which came from me um, entering in a diet that advocates for mental performance and decreased inflammation. So I was eating a lot of healthy fats. I was eating a tremendous amount of vegetables for the first time in my life. A lot of natural whole things cutting the uh, sugar, all of that crap out. That is actually how this entire thing started for me. I unlocked the door to myself through the physiological and the nutritional components of
1: kind of the the gut microbiome and food and health, what you just said. It's funny because food has been, it's been such a transformative experience for me. And I mean, we were talking about it before we started, before we hit record, and hopefully you'll taste some of my food when you get here, when you're in New York. My mom, when I was listening to you talk about sugar and you were talking about how addictive it is and how people should go and listen to, I forget the episode number, but you you talk about it at length and you give a lot of statistics and so forth. My mom, she's like, Josh, I know that every time that I see you talking about a white addictive powder that sounds like it's heroin, it's always sugar. And I'm always, (laughs) to me, it's very similar. And we live in a world, certainly a country, people taking a lot of hits of sugar Mm. and a lot of heroin too. But I feel like, it's right there. And it's such an, e- well, oh man. It's an obvious change, not necessarily an easy change, but you did it. Oh man. You
0: know what I'll tell you, Josh, is that, you know, I, ha- I had great parents. I never got into drugs or alcohol seriously. But what I will say is when I look back at my life that I was unaware of, my drug of choice was sugar. After school, I would go through the drive through of some fast food place, and I'd get like a donut or something, or whenever something bad happened, I would go to a convenience store and buy a bag of white stuff, of, of white powder, of drugs, really. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just was completely unconscious of that. And it's like, when you tie that back to a lot of the health issues that I had faced, you know, I was diagnosed with uh, things that a lot of kids today in America are diagnosed with, like asthma, uh, ADHD, digestive type issues like uh, IBS, uh, appendicitis, lack of sleep, lack of focus. A lot of those issues, I believe, were tied to consuming this drug with a lack of sort of a healthy diet and and, and lifestyle. And it's like, you know, I see people today that you know, are are talking about, hey, we you know, we gotta, I don't know, ban all the drugs. And and I'm not trying to judge anyone, but yet, you know, they're downing bags of candy or they're abusing one specific kind of drug that they have normalized when they haven't really realized that it's like, guys, the number one drug here on planet Earth, the number one material drug is sugar, hands down. It's super cheap it's in everything. It's proven to be a neurotoxin, increases inflammation. So many different research factors that people can look up and talk to more knowledgeable people than me. But it's like sugar is really one of the main obstacles. And this is in terms of things like, you know, processed, added sugar, not in terms of kind of like the, the For the most part, the natural sugars that-
1: Yeah, what's in a banana. We
0: know and is a building block of life. Right, exactly.
1: And I think something people don't get, and I'm interested in your experience, and by the way, this connects really closely with the environment, which I want to get to in a second, that if you eat a lot of sugar and someone says, eat less sugar, you think, well, then there's, you know, the flavor because when (laughs) when you're eating a ton of Ben & Jerry's and someone gives you an apple, the apple doesn't taste very sweet. Mm. And it takes- maybe a couple of weeks for the taste buds to recover from the onslaught, but it takes longer for you really to start appreciating how delicious other things are. In my case, I'm curious if I haven't heard you say this and foods are much more delicious now. It's not like I'm sacrificing something. It's the nuance and the the complexity and the, and also apples to me are now more sweet than ice cream used to be. So I actually have more impression of sweetness, even though I'm having less sugar. Oh, my dude josh! i I
0: couldn't agree more with you. I try to talk about this as much as possible i'm I'm glad you brought it up yeah i don't I don't exactly know what the recovery period is for our taste buds to reset, but the thing is that like just like you said we're not we're not missing out on anything. I personally for me, I'm not somebody who believes in moderation when it comes to food. I know some people are, and that's their own business. Everyone should live their life in their own the way but i'm you know i'm not somebody who cheat has cheat days on the weekends i'm not somebody who eats ice cream like once a month i for me personally i sort of treat sugar the same way that i treat alcohol i'll have a couple drinks like a year when i'm at like somebody's wedding and i'll maybe treat like some sugary things like that in the same way but what happens is when you are living a life where you're not consuming these foods at all the cravings completely go away, you know, biting into a, a peach or biting into a, a ripe apple, like you said, is the most, like the most sugary thing, like you can even imagine. And it's like your taste buds unlock into a degree that you can't even imagine while you're still eating sugar. And it's kind of like the whole, you know, are you just increasing stimulus? And eventually there is, you know, a refractory period after that kind of like ketonic adaptation of, you know, you're hitting the same thing again and again and again and again and again, but you're seeing a diminished effect. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I still haven't gotten bored of bananas yet. So (laughs) yeah,
1: because that does happen with ice cream. You just got to keep eating more, but it doesn't happen. In fact, with apples, it's pretty hard to eat a second apple in a day. Right. And, it, and, the, and yet when you have one the next day, it's, and here's something I love. There's, at the farmer's markets here, there's like dozens and dozens of different varieties of apples, you know, Fuji and Honeycrisp and, and Macintosh and whatever. And they all taste different, but they mm. all taste like apple. Like it's weird how, how much variety there is. And yet they're exactly like, you're like, that's an apple. And then you eat another one. It tastes totally different. You're like that's an apple too. And same with the pears and all the different varieties of oranges and things. And it's, it's, it's people look at, people who eat the standard American diet look at my diet and they say, there's no variety. Because to them, the difference between a radish, a turnip, and a Brussels sprout is like, to them, it's all vegetables. Mm. (laughs) And to me, they couldn't be more different. Although, I guess, from my perspective, to them, I guess maybe Wendy's and and, uh, McDonald's are very different. (laughs) And to me, I don't see the difference.
0: It's all perspective, man. And I think until you – somebody who I've interviewed, he's become a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Rick Hansen. He's written many, many, many best-selling books. One of the great quotes that he has is that striving for something or having a goal usually starts with some sort of a glimpse of that actual feeling or experience first. And it's like until somebody has that event or something that can shift their perspective, which again, most of us don't have, even when it comes to food, odds are the the way that somebody's living their life, they think in that moment, that is the best way to live their life. When in reality, like people like you and I are just like, you know, screaming in the most loving way, like, hey, get off this stuff. Like you will thank us later. Your taste buds will unlock. Parts of your brain will open up that have never been opened, and you will live a much higher fidelity
1: of life. Yeah, so many people out there. I think I, th- I think school teaches us this with how gym gets canceled, and art gets canceled, and music gets canceled. And I think they're just like they think we're just supposed to be brains with like a body that I guess is supposed to support the brain. The body's awesome. I mean, that if you discount that pleasure of eating to just like a pleasure of eating, it's missing. If you're religious, you know, a soul, something like that. It's Actually, now talk about that experience. Now I'm going to transition again to talk about the environment. I I searched your podcast for stuff on the environment. I didn't see too much. And I'm curious if that's something, is it something on your radar? Is it something that's meaningful to you? Is it something you care about? You know, for me, you know, I think that, you know, I would much more
0: want to be more environment um, centered, but you know, honestly, for me, I, that is something that I'm trying to move towards. I'm still, I'm similar to you, but excuse me, similar to you. Like I didn't, I didn't really hear this stuff for, you know, the first half of my life and trying to shift my perspective on it and kind of say like, oh, hey, we, we actually are part of the environment. Like this environment is going on and we just happen to be like the inhabitants that are, on top of it, that are dwelling in it, yet actively influencing it, and so yeah, I don't know. That's those are kind of my perspectives on it. Not not too deep.
1: I'm glad you said it that way because I think what you said represents a lot of people, and maybe even most of the people listening. Because I think I think there's a lot of people who think, oh, some everyone else knows more than I do, or everyone else is more involved than I am, or. Or, you know, no one, either people care like a lot more and, and like know a lot more, or they just don't care and they're just doing their regular business. And I think most people, what you said, it's something you're, it's kind of on the horizon. If, but, and you want to move toward it, but you aren't really sure. And I think people feel a bit vulnerable about that because if other people are more into it, then maybe I'll get judged or I don't want to, you know, there's a lot of criticism out there.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, Just, you know, some of the steps that I have taken are, and this is helpful, right? Because I'm in Boston and uh, Boston is making, and Massachusetts in general is making massive strides towards uh, being environmentally conscious. But, you know, for me, like I try to shop at, you know, like organic markets. I try to get things that are sustainable as much as I possibly can. So that for me, food and sourcing has probably been the most attention that I have placed towards things. I I try to carpool. I don't know if that's good or bad, but really in that sense of the things. And I've had on a couple people on my podcast, but to be honest, we haven't really gone deeper in it. Maybe we can do it when you come on mine for sure, but- Oh, I think it'll come up. Yeah, uh,
1: everyone, everyone listening is like Josh. That's what he talks about. It's 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 also what he acts on. So, what do you think about if it's on the horizon? And you know, it's it's different for everybody. One of the great joys for me of my podcast is I thought everyone felt the same as I did, but everyone's it's unique. And no, I haven't heard the same thing twice from two different people of what they think about when they think about the environment or how the environment makes them feel. And I'm curious. Okay, so it's limited relative to some, some of the other things. But what is it to you?
0: To me, the environment, the first thing that comes to mind is just home base. And by home base, I mean, by home base, I mean, you know, if you look at us from a species, a, a human kind of top
1: down, it's all we have. <laughs> if that makes sense. That's pretty serious. I mean, that's not like a little thing. That's everything. Yeah,
0: I mean, without the environment and you know, oftentimes, honestly, for me, I, I tend to think of the environment as the things that just surround me. So it's like my environment is th- the people that I have in my life. The, my environment is even my thoughts. My environment is, you know, what positions, what my schedule looks like. And I, you know, I, I find it a, this very interesting sort of feedback loop between the environment and our thoughts, and like what I mean by that is I don't know if this is where you're going, but the way that I think about it is this like you know i'll I'll want to go to the gym at six a m and my thoughts are telling me, "Hey, Mark, just you know relax, calm down, you don't have to go today, just take a rest, do whatever, but yet I will understand that, and I will put myself in the environment of putting on my shoes, walking to the gym, already working out even if I don't feel like it. And the environment will eventually begin to send signals to my thoughts. And there'll be sort of like this co-evolving feedback loop where eventually my thoughts will follow once the environment gives the okay, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is, that's, I read that that's a second type of environment, mm. although related because <laughs> before, when you talk about carpooling and, and organic foods, I felt like that was something that's, that motivation is coming from a, there, it feels like there's something different in that one. Because mm. the, the environment that you just talked about now of, if you want to exercise, you change your environment and that puts you in the mode where you're going to exercise more. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, your, what you sense around you. The everything thing sounded like it was something to me, qualitatively different, but related. I mean, obviously if it's everything, then everything else is a subset of it and it I'm curious what, like what something motivated you to seek the organic because you didn't have to, and presumably it'll cost more and it's harder to find. And if you're carpooling, it's not as easy as not carpooling. So it feels like there's a motivation there.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I I definitely need to 10 X my thinking and my actions on this. But to me, it's just like, I think that everyone's life is a message to the world, And I think it's a message to the world where you don't necessarily even have to talk. You don't have to have a podcast, but it's just, you know, the strangers that you influence, you know, the family members, maybe your friends that are looking at what you're doing. And it's like, am I paying my rent here on earth? Or it's like Stephen Kotler, Flow Genome Project says, you know, is this planner better or worse with me here? And it's like if I am a human living in industrialized 2019 America, and you know, I know there's all the sorts of environmental destructions going on, what can just I myself do as an individual to help reorient myself out of that? And so the motivation for me just comes out of that sort of existential standpoint. And honestly, when it comes to organic and um Getting crops from regenerative farming, for me, a major part of it is health. I'm a massive, massive uh, proponent of health ever since I kind of had this life switch. So, honestly, the bigger motivation for organic and things along the lines of that is for my health. But I also know it's for the health of the planet. And if the planet's unhealthy, I'm unhealthy. And I think we're seeing that around the world, if that makes
1: sense. I think so. Let me check. What I heard was a lot of, there's health and you said, uh, I forget the name of the guy that you quoted, but saying that you have to have an experience to really get something Mm. and that you wanted to increase your experience here and your experience with the sugar and with the gut microbiome, that these were profound experiences and there's a statement to be made. And am I leaving the earth better than I found it? And- if that's the case, if I've read you more or less not too far off, what I'd like to do with you, what I do with everyone, not everyone, but most people on the podcast, which is to invite you to act on these values in a way that you aren't already. And there's a couple constraints I put on it. Well, one big one is this is not to fix all the world's problems by yourself overnight. It's the scale of it is not the point, but it it's something that you're not already doing something that makes a measurable difference. So like education and awareness are great. I'm all for them, but you know, something where there's a measurable difference to to the outside world. And not telling others what to do. So it's a personal personally acting on something that you that arises from the values that you talked about. Most people don't have something right off the bat. I mean, some do. And usually they have to think about it a bit. And sometimes they go back and forth to help them come up with something. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean Oh, and by the way, it's also not like after you come up with something, if you do, you know, if you if you go for it, then I I usually say make it a smart goal, so not to you know this is not like forever I'm gonna change forever. It, it, you may choose to do that later if you want, but this is just to try it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so sh- should I like? Uh, I mean, I'm not really sure what comes to mind. I I feel like I I feel like I don't really have that much knowledge of the environment. I think I could definitely like you know turn my heat down, open up more windows. I'm not really sure. I feel like I have to get more knowledgeable about it to actually understand what's the, what's like the biggest thing that I'm negatively contributing
1: towards to be able to. Here, I I try to make it. That's why the first thing I say is it doesn't have to fix all the world's problems overnight. This isn't about them. It's about, I'm not, I don't want you to do something for me or for others, Mm -hmm. but to, I mean, you you talked about health. If you did something and that seemed to be something very important to you. And if it was something health related for you, that would be, I think, more meaningful than if you did something that really didn't resonate with you, but it was just something you read in the paper. And I think a lot of people get thrown off by that because they're like, here's a bunch of tips. But I suspect that if you do something for that resonates with your values, which could be health or making a, making a statement or leaving the earth better than you found it in some way, that that will be a more yeah. meaningful experience for you than oh. if you did something really big, but it was just because someone told you to.
0: Oh, totally. You know what? Now that you said that, what I'm going to try to do is um, go to more farmers markets. I, Like I said, I'm, I'm very health conscious. I try to get everything organic, but I feel like sometimes I don't go to the right places when I just want to like grab something that's like a grocery store that's near me. And I feel like if I went to some kind of a local farmer's market and got what I needed there, I feel like that would be better. I'm not sure. I think so.
1: That sounds like, I heard that coming from something like, you've kind of wanted to do this and now this is your chance to do it and it'll, (laughs) it'll be more healthy for you. It'll be more healthy for the earth. You nailed it. That's, yeah. Most people, was it kind of lingering in your thoughts for a while and you're like, oh, now I can do it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's what, that's why I kind of have, I allow that kind of awkwardness when you're not really sure and maybe you're feeling a little nervous because I want listeners to hear that. It's not like all these people are walking around knowing better, you know, and I think, but most people do have something that thinking of. And so I'm kind of speaking to them right now, you know, this, it's, it's a little harder to do it without talking to someone who's supportive. And I, I hope I was supportive with you that. Mm. sometimes, but most people have something there. You know, a lot of this podcast is for the listener. Well, the podcast is mostly for the listeners. I try to do that for them to take on a challenge like you're taking on. And Mm. how, how long do you think it'll take? I'd love to have you on a second time after you've had this experience and to share what it was like. Cause maybe it's easy. Maybe it's hard. Maybe there's one near you. Maybe there's not, or maybe they're like, I mean, it's, it's, we're getting towards spring. I guess today's the first day or yesterday, I think was the first day of spring. So you're going to start getting like nice spring vegetables. Cause Two months ago, you'd be getting turnips, radishes, onions, potatoes, parsnips, carrots, like great stuff, but there'll be much more variety coming up. And I like the variety. Mm. How long do you think it'll take before it, if you're up for a second time, to share what it was like?
0: Oh, man. Well, dude, here's the thing. Now that we've done this, I'm going to do two things this weekend. One, go to a local farmer's market. And two, make some vegetable stew. (laughs) 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 I'm going to do it. I'm... um. I'm somebody who uh, doesn't really like to, you know, dilly dally. And I, if I say something, I'm going to do it. It's a hundred percent going to happen. I'll, I'll I'll let you know. I'll shoot you a picture of it later.
1: (laughs) Awesome. You don't know how much this warms my heart. Not that you're doing it for me, but just that when I think of my stews and a couple of weeks ago, no, maybe a month ago, I was picking up my, my vegetable delivery from um, the place in the East Village where I pick it up. And it was a really wet, snowy night. It was like, a wet snow, slush everywhere—the kind of weather that like people don't like snow in the in the city because of this stuff. And it's like a mile for me to walk over there at this place where I pick it up from, and because it's I live near um, Washington Square Park, and it's called mm-hmm. the Washington Square Park CSA, but it moved because they got they lost their space, so it's like really far away. Anyway, I'm walking home. I've walked a mile there. I'm now half a mile, maybe three quarters of the way back, and it suddenly hits me. People don't go out in weather like this. People mm. prefer to stay in and get deliveries because it's miserable out. But I don't feel miserable because I got like 50 pounds worth of vegetables on me and I'm overjoyed. Like, I, that's what I'm thinking about. I can't wait to eat these things. And to the point where like an hour in the snow or whatever, now I sound like a grandfather, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's like, I don't even notice that. And so that's what, I don't know if you're in for that on your first visit, but I, I feel like maybe it'll hit. You know that um,
0: you know that Nietzsche quote that says those who something along the lines of those who were seen dancing were thought of as crazy to those who could not hear the music
1: and that's what comes oh. to mind about what you just said. Oh man, I, uh, you're warming <laughs> my heart even more. <laughs> so, if you're going to go this weekend, are you suggesting that maybe we have the next episode in like a week, or do you want to give it more time to sink in? I'm fine either way. So I'm definitely gonna do it this weekend. That's that's done.
0: But I feel like I feel like I'm not necessarily somebody who thinks fast and it takes me a while to like integrate different topics and, and, and conceptions and um, different ideas that I have. So I I definitely think that it would be the most valuable for people listening if we did it um, maybe in like a month, two months, maybe even three months where I've had a little bit of time to kind of comprehend and like truly understand what I'm doing. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think that would be more valuable to listeners too. And, uh, let's say that after we stop recording, maybe we can schedule for when that would be. Yeah, dude, let's do it. I can also put on my schedule to contact you in a couple months to see, but we'll, we'll do that offline. Awesome. And it feels, do I read you right that this is something that you're You're like, I'm pretty sure you're not doing it for me or anybody else. Like, I feel like you're doing it. I mean, it, others will benefit from it.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, listen, man, like, it's like, you know, when I shut off this in microphone interview, like, the matter of the fact is, and same goes for you, like, nobody knows what we're actually doing. And it's like, if we say we're going to do something, I think that just always comes back to us. And- you know for me like i am i'm am somebody who doesn't just say whatever kind of words i i think that the words that come out of my mouth are i take them of the utmost seriousness and so when i say i've you know i've done it you know and I, and and this is somebody who's very very self motivated who my world really revolves around doing things for others, but also very much my own personal freedom. And so, you know, I don't really have anything to lose. And yeah, I mean, dude, honestly, like, just like you said, I've, like, I've been meaning to do this for a while. So thank you for giving me almost like that, like that
1: cue to go ahead and and and, and go for it for sure. Well, Mark, I cannot wait to hear the results. And I really appreciate your openness and willingness to be vulnerable in public like that. Mark Metry. Thank you very much. Josh, this was phenomenal. For all that Mark focuses on, he started by getting that the environment was somehow important, but seemed a blind spot. For all he didn't know, he still cared about things, and he got that. Environmental action isn't a matter of expertise or facts or knowing more things. It's pretty easy to look at a garbage dump and a forest and figure out what you want more of. He's humble, outright saying he didn't really know that much, but he's found something to engage on. I hear that he wants to do it. So I can't wait to hear the results. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse. And living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.